Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. My name is Samantha. I have Jocelyn with me. Hey. Were you not going to say hi to the people? I was going to say, hey, I mean, I had to wait. I normally wait for you to be like, I'm Jocelyn with me. And then I'd be like, hey, y'all. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> so, so this is my favorite time of WNBA season. We are going into the last two weeks of the season. I can't even believe it because I feel like we wait so long for the season to come. And then by the time the season comes, it's like already over. <laughs> it zooms past. First of all, the summer has been zooming past. And yes. I think that's probably why the time we're already about to be in September. So, wow. But it is super fun and exciting to start watching, you know, the WNBA. If some of you have been falling off and haven't been like tuning in, now is the time because pretty much almost every game is like a close one or one to watch or or it's going to be giving you upset. So it's just the time to watch because teams are, like we talked about offline, Sam, teams are like feeling fired up. They're getting back healthy again. They're feeling more whole. And it seems like these teams that were feeling whole and in, in the beginning are starting to fall apart a little bit or at least feel the heat from these other teams, from their components. So I don't know. I just think that right now is a great time to watch, to start tuning in, to start picking your faves or whatever, your, or who's going to give you some upsets in this coming, you know, these coming months or weeks rather, so, because I'm really excited to start like, like just picking apart everything with our like top teams. Yeah, this is definitely an exciting time. We see a lot of teams that are still fighting for a playoff spot. We already have our top three teams in the playoffs, New York, Las Vegas, and Connecticut. So there's five spots still available. There's a lot of back and forth within those last um, standings. And so, like you said, there's a lot of good games, a lot of close games. We had an overtime game this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been a lot of teams that I think initially struggled in the beginning. And now they finally got their momentum and they're trying to keep their stride going, like going yep. into the playoffs. They're trying to showcase what they're really made of, what they truly have been believing all along and trying to, you know, keep that ball rolling as they go into the playoffs. You have some teams that are starting to kind of get lax, uh-huh. get tired, and we're seeing the effect that that is having. And so this is always like a super intense time because there's 12 teams eight playoff spots and there's so few games compared to the NBA that um, it really happens all so quickly. Like two or three losses can really make or break your season, especially Mm -hmm. when you're talking about the last couple of weeks. So this is always my favorite time of the season, because even though you kind of have a feel for where things are going to go, you ultimately just never know. And the Aces, like, they locked in a playoff spot in record timing, like, literally two games after the All-Star game. They'd already locked in a playoff seed, but they still have yet to lock in that number one seed. And so yeah. that's definitely going to be interesting come Monday's game. This is, like, one of the few times during the season where we'll actually have a game on a Monday night, yeah. and it's going to be the last matchup between Las Vegas and New York in Brooklyn. It's going to be super exciting. 
because like I said, Vegas has not locked in that number one seed yet. And New York is only in number two by a game and a half. So this is literally like do or die for both teams. And so when we're talking about these last playoff pushes, like this is Vegas's time to kind of take the throne and really solidify that number one spot. And this is New York's time to see if they can swoop in there and take over. Like Vegas has been the number one seed from the very beginning of the season. And so like, is this going to be New York's opportunity to kind of come in and snatch it away from them at the last second? Like, it's just, it's so exciting because so much is riding on these last couple weeks in these last five games of the season. I agree. It's, I'm excited. First of all, WNBA NBA list Mondays? I think not. So y'all are about to get our sophisticated spectators. Y'all are about to get a, a new episode from us on Monday and a banging game. Listen, I'm going to speak into existence what I want. We talked about this offline, Sam. I've been listening to The Secret and I'm just going to keep saying what I want to happen and I want the freaking aces to win and solidify as you said that's the top spot so at least they don't look like fools because i'm feeling like we looking a little bit like fools right now we just lost not too long ago <laughs> to the miss the washington mystics that's your team sam your team just came in that's my home team. whatever but i want to say let, let, let's start off talking about the aces on a high note at least one of the players. So my <laughs> highlight, y'all, y'all know the song by TLC, right? Like, you know, what about your friends? All I have to say is Asia Wilson did not care about her friends when she played Alicia Grace team <laughs> that night because she played the eight, you know, the uh, the Atlanta Dream, and that was what this past Tuesday and. I mean, my highlight has to go to no other than Asia Wilson dropping 53 points on the dream to solidify the win. I mean, it was a high-scoring game. It was like 112 to uh, 100. So for both teams were, were shooting really well. And But, I mean, I just had to say, Asia put that thing on them, and she didn't give not two flying poops about that her best team was on the other side heard or not she like i don't care i'm about to drop 53 i mean in good timing too because the last player in history to score 53 points in a single game uh you know WNBA regulation game was liz cambage and we just finished talking about her last episode so liz cambage she dropped what 53 back in july of 2018 with the dallas wings so Liz, she had that game, she had 10 rebounds, five blocks, and she was just balling that game. Cause I mean, she she was all over the stat sheet on that game. So again, we have to give respect where respect is due. Liz Cambage, she she played, she did her thing and she had the world record. And now Asia Wilson is matched for us. So somebody has to do 54 or more. And, I mean, also, I have to say, you know, Raquana Williams is also in the 50-point squad. I didn't even know that. She had a high of 51 points back in, uh, I think it was 2013, with uh, the Tosha Shock. She drained, like, eight three-pointers, and she was nine for nine for three free-throw line, and she was 17 of 28 from the field. Like, that was crazy, first of all. So, 
again, put some respect over Quanta Williams' names. Like, this is why she was on the Aces. Yes, in her personal life, there's a lot of things going on there. Again, hearts and prayers out for everybody. But, I mean, at the end of the day, she's a baller, too. So, welcome to the 50, you know, point club, Asia. Congratulations. That was amazing. I know she still might be on her high. She's being a soror, fellow soror with, uh, you know, the vice president of the United States of America. So, I mean, I know Asia, win or lose, hook or crook, homegirl is living her best life this year. <laughs> so, kudos to you, girl. Keep shooting, you know, but also I'm going to need you to get some rebounds. O-boards and defensive boards. That's all I'm saying. We need you. But anyway, other than that, I just have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think on another note, I kind of have to take a little bit of a spin on it and congratulate the Washington Mystics for actually taking down the number one seeded Vegas Aces. And this is truly like, we've been waiting for this moment the entire season. I don't care if you're a Washington fan or not. They started out on such a high. They felt like they had all the pieces together to finally get back to the playoffs. They blew past New York in the season opener. And then we saw the injuries kind of happen. You know, Christy Tolliver has been out. EDD has been out. Shakira Austin, Ariel Atkins. Like, it was literally just one injury after another. And we talked about this very early on in the podcast, that Washington honestly had all it took to win another championship. And it starts with their defense. And when we saw that roster just start to fall apart one after another, it was just such a devastating situation because it was like, here's this team that literally has everything necessary to go all the way. And they're being plagued by injury, not just because they're losing because they're a bad team, but because they can't stay healthy, you know? So to be back at almost full strength Chrissy Tolliver is still out even though she is kind of like the unofficial coach on the sidelines um they have their three starters back EDD had an amazing game 21 points Ariel Atkins is back Shakira Austin is back and to see them at full force like blowing past the aces was such a big deal because like we already talked about we, were, we are watching for those teams that are fighting for those last playoff spots to really show everybody what they're working with. And I think Washington proved that defense is their core, and that's what they're going to do. And so shout out to Brittany Sykes because she made it very difficult for Chelsea Gray. Yeah. The last few Aces games, we've seen Chelsea Gray kind of like take the team on her shoulders and will the Aces to a victory. And Brittany Sykes was like, absolutely not. That is not happening. She not. was sidestepping it right out there with Chelsea Gray, literally mirroring her, you know, motions on the defensive end. And so I have to give it to Brittany Sykes because she made it daggone near impossible for Chelsea Gray to get going. And she was a pivotal reason why the Washington Mystics ended up winning. Ooh, I'm feeling like I might know who your breakout star might be then. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if it is her, yes. But I didn't get a chance to the game the entirety. But yeah, kudos again. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we talked about this. We talked about it last episode. And we've been saying it from the jump that, like, <clears throat> people who are, like, well, these teams that are actually finally healthy, 
playing together like a well-oiled machine is going to be a problem for anybody at the top. And at the top is the Aces, and they've just been hitting walls after walls after hard games. And these games that they lose, it's pretty – we were talking about offline, Sam. It's pretty, like, embarrassing, to be honest. It's kind of like, how close are you trying to not be? <laughs> like, all these other teams, like, yeah, they've been – they were in the beginning blowing teams out by the so much. And now, like, for teams like Liberty to give it back to them, it's kind of like, okay, what are you going to do? So I can't wait for, uh, you know, another matchup against the, the Washington Mystics and the, uh, you know, the Vegas uh, – you know, Los Angeles uh, – Las Vegas Aces because – I really want to see the adjustments that the Aces do because the you know from what I understand, Sam, the Washington Mystic played them perfectly, and I think that's the smartest thing to do. Take out your the 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 court general. Take if you take out Chelsea, if you just like just kind of you know block her sight for a little bit because her vision is her court vision is so immaculate. If you block her her court vision just for a little bit, it's going to throw off everything. So just how we say Asia Wilson, if if Chelsea Gray can't get the ball into Asia and nobody else can, then like you you did your job, <laughs> you did your job. I think the Aces only scored what sixty two. It was what seventy eight to sixty two final. So that means that yeah, maybe maybe the the Aces just weren't as you could look at the stats. They just weren't shooting well. And that has to be because of the defense too. You gotta, you kind of give respect where respect is due. So kudos to y'all, Washington Mystics. That's a great highlight because it, it shows what it looks like when the team is healthy. And you said it from the jump. I have to give you your respect too, Sam. You called it. If they're if they're healthy, <laughs> then everything is in everything's all good. Edd had a standout game. Well, she dropped twenty one points. I didn't know her other stats, but you know, Edd again, she's no shorty out there playing like a guard, you know, like you already have a problem because her height is is hard to guard, period. She can a lot of times just shoot right over her defender. So it's really just about her accuracy and her talent of shooting um, at some points because, like, you know, she doesn't really, like, hand down, man down, yeah, but damn near none of, no one could get their hand up there her face in time. Not to mention that. she's averaging over her career 96% from the free throw line. And well, it's funny because one of the commentators actually said that the broadcast jinx doesn't work on Elena Deladon. You know, normally they'll say, oh, they've hit 20 free throws in a row. And then they'll go and, like, brick the free throw. Yeah. But they were saying the jinx does not work on EDD because she's damn near perfect. And it's not looking to mess that up at all. So yeah. not only is she going to shoot over her defender, but she's going to get you at the free throw line. There you go. And that's a good player because a lot of bigs always said bigs, they get fouled. And if you are going to get to the free throw line, you really want to hurt other teams because if you're always going to be on that line, you better be good at shooting it. So there you go. I don't know. I think that's also a thing. It's always been kind of like a thing in my head because I used to love, again, playing um, defense. I would always try not to foul the player that can shoot really well for the free throw line because it's kind of like the the purpose anyway. You're going to give her three, two freebies or three, and she can knock them all down. So you kind of already losing. Like, try to get that person that can crack under pressure or that the you know commentator jinx does work against. <laughs> <laughs> and it works out because 
You don't want to get no freaking get the foul at the free throw line. You just don't want that. But again, yes, congratulations to the Washington Mystics. I know it felt good to be the number one seed and also just for all of them to be out there for the most part healthy and ready to go. But not everybody was. So I'm sure we're going to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Speaking of not everybody was ready. We had an interesting conversation off the uh, recording that I kind of wanted to bring into the recording because it's super relevant, especially I think in this season, and that is injury. Uh, We've seen more and more, especially as the seasons grow and get longer, we've seen a lot of players recently that have been plagued with very tumultuous injuries. You know, Achilles is unfortunately majority of the time season ending. Uh, We've, you know, everything from like, sprains to ACLs to fractures everywhere like we've pretty much seen it all this season um and I think this season in particular like I said because just the length of the seasons are getting longer um and so it just puts more wear and tear on your body especially when you're playing most of the time every other day sometimes you may get like three or four days in between but majority of the season you're playing every other day um with a lot of travel obviously involved um, and so we had the conversation in regards to Elena Deladon, but I think it's very fitting for other, you know, certain other players that are currently active in the league as well. And that is, when is it actually time for you to retire? Um, there's been a lot of buzz on social media and specifically regarding EDB most recently because um, she came off of an injury. Um, she sprained her ankle missed a handful of games and then literally the game she came back she ended up re-injuring her ankle came back again and then injured her right hip Uh, we know that she's over the age of 30 now and so with her having these like lingering injuries that kind of keep happening year after year the question is now being brought up being that she's um 33 now i believe when is it time to retire and when like how does injuries play into your decision to retire um and so that's kind of what we had talked about because there's like two different perspectives there's the perspective of like you want to leave on top like you don't want an injury to be the reason that you have to retire you know especially if you're you know pursuing like a ring or you are like an mvp candidate or something like that like you want to retire on top you know And then there's also the other mentality of like, when do you become a liability to your team? And when do you ultimately become a liability to yourself and your own personal like health and longevity? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really tough to even kind of make that decision, especially if these players are in love with the game. You know, this is all they really know. Um, I always said, especially women players come like getting drafted into the WNBA, they always had like a strong major in mind, like, you know, leaving college. So all the women I know are very intelligent. So, you know, they can do anything else, but I'm sure like kind of like how Tom Brady had a hard time just like letting go of the game. I think that's for any true professional that's been playing the game for a while and you're definitely at the top you know, as far as like players goes and you even might even like, like if we talk about a Candace Parker, have a nod for like a, a hall of a hall of fame, being a hall of famer. So 
I think that it, it could be hard to make that decision, but I think after a certain time, you, you should. I think 33 is not old because I'm 33. <laughs> I don't think it's that old. But at the same time, I think that you have to listen to your body. And if your body is really struggling to do the same things that it used to do before, either you completely change your, you know, your workout regimen, you get a a new personal trainer, you work on mobility, you start working on different things as you get older. Like, um, and I hate to compare it to a male like player in, in the sport, but we just have to think about our bodies in different ways. And I think LeBron was one of the, you know, great persons or great examples to kind of say, okay, I need to change up the way my body is because the way that I play with this uh, intensity, with the longevity that I'm trying to accomplish, I need to change the way I'm eating. I need to change my nutrition. I need to change just my body. And he literally changed his body. He used to be a big guy, like, you know, as far as stature even and muscles even like he slimmed down he almost has like a swimmer's body if like he were to be a swimmer because he's so like you know like he's not thin but he's just so he's so lean Lean. yes he's so lean and I think that that's kind of what you have to do especially with these really tall women um you know you're looking at a lot of different elements for people that are on the taller side so sometimes I don't envy you guys but, you know, there does tend to be more injuries and stuff. So, I mean, it, I think that if you're able to, to be like a Sue Bird, and let's think, you know, think about her. She's a better, better example. She actually had a great, you know, regimen as far as nutrition goes. She put in a lot of money towards her body. And I think that that's what you have to do if you're deciding to want to play, you know, in your 30s. And you want to play at a high level and still be one of those top players in the league, then and you're not, you know, and you you might be because of age or what have you, an injury, you might be flirting with retirement. I think that's when you have to make a drastic change on what you're already doing because maybe it's not going to work at that stage in your life. So I think that if if you're not willing to do that to make that kind of adjustment then yeah, it might be time to hang it up. And my thing is you always want to go out on top. That's me personally, but everybody like, again, for a person like Candace Parker, I think it's okay for her if she decided to, you know, go ahead and just retire after this year, this season, I would be perfectly fine with that. I could understand it. It would make sense. And if she's able to get her, like we talked about before, get a ring without really having to do much at the end of it, hell yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that, Bob, for 500 please. Because, listen, like, duh, it's kind of like a no-brainer. It's, it's the best-case scenario. Maybe not the most lavish and the most showy, but you've already done that throughout your career. And, it, you know, all of the stats, all of the accolades that you ran down before – um, shows for that. So EDD too, she's done a lot in her career already and she's only 33, you know, now if she wants to keep t- to continue to keep going or any player that's flirting with the decision of retirement, you either make the adjustment for your body and for your health to, to still play at a high level or you get on out, get on out the kitchen. If it's too hot in there, get on out the kitchen. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I thought of three different players who are all active in the WNBA currently. Um, that this ongoing conversation of injury and retirement has kind of come about. So the first one is EDD. We did mention her. She was the second pick in the 2013 draft. A little bit about her. She's a two-time league MVP, a 2019 champion, um, but she's never played a full season. She's played for both the Chicago side and the Washington Mystics, but she has never played a full season. And so when we're talking um, retirement, um, there's a lot that goes into her decision. Obviously, she's very injury prone if she's never played a full season before. We do know that back in high school, she contracted Lyme disease, um, which you know affects her immune system. It affects her healing processes. So she's already battling that, you know, and she always talks about just wanting to return somewhat to her former form you know and so when she's in the game she's super duper impactful so just to give you guys a little bit of perspective she's only played in 17 games so far this season but in 17 games she's averaged 29 minutes 17 points five rebounds and two assists that's with two different injuries that she has endured this season alone you know, so when we're talking about somebody that is impactful when she's healthy, that is EDD. But when she's not healthy, is it ending up being a detriment to her team because the team is kind of built around her? Yeah. Um, so that was the first player that I thought of. The second one is Shanae Gumake, who plays for the Los Angeles Sparks. We all know her sister. Neka plays Neka. with her. Um, Chanae was drafted in 2014, where she was named the Rookie of the Year in Connecticut, but she missed the entire 2015 and 2017 seasons with knee injuries that she got overseas. She opted out of 2020 when she came to LA due to her previous injuries and not wanting to injure herself in the bubble. In 2021, she's only played seven games, and in 2023, this season, she only played 10 games. And so LA is one of those teams that really struggled with injuries, struggled, struggled with keeping their roster intact. And so when we look at a player like Chanae, once again, the conversation is coming up. Well, is it time for her to retire? Because if I'm being honest, I forgot that she played on the team. <laughs> You know, yeah. because she hasn't played in so long. And at first she, you know, it seemed like it wasn't going to be a long injury. And then next thing you know, she had a boot on. And so yeah. people were kind of confused as to what the injury was oh, wow. and where the injury was coming from and yeah. what exactly had happened. So she's another one that, you know, this season she's averaged 21 minutes, 8.4 points four rebounds, and one assist. So she's giving you solid minutes, but once again, it's that if she is healthy, she can give you solid minutes, especially off of the bench. She is someone that can give you solid minutes. Mm -hmm. But is she going to be reliable enough to give you what you need? I think with Janae and her situation in particular, I love seeing her as a commentator. I love seeing her as like, a you know, like just kind of being like a sports journalist broadcaster she's great in that in that realm and I think that that's where she might need to be because 
Yeah, she is kind of injury prone. And honestly, I hate to say that. She's a great addition, like you stated. She puts in solid minutes. She gives you she gives you what you need to get. But I think that the Sparks are okay, like, without her, you know? And not to say, again, that she wouldn't add to the, the greatness that the Sparks are and that they're coming into now, especially now. Like, you know, even though... I think they might be losing this game today against the Sun, but that's a top team. You know, I'm okay with I'm okay with you losing a game against a top team. You know, like that's okay. And and it's also like looking at how you're losing that game. If you're not losing it like the Aces, yes, I I'm still bitter and salty. Leave me alone, y'all. Y'all sophisticated spectators know me anyway. Um, but yeah, like when we're talking about Janae, I think that. She has, like like I said before, do you have something to fall back on? Because for some of these players, it's kind of like, what else would they do? And maybe that's why they might stick around a little longer because they're not they're not ready in their heart, mind, soul, spirit, and body to, to stop. And that's okay because ultimately it's your decision. If you can if you can keep consistently getting on a roster, hey, do your thing. Janae, she's on a roster. But at the same time, it's kind of like, but you're so good in another area. So, like, you don't need to be here unless you want to be here. And I think, like, that's the case with that. So in her situation, I would vote, go on ahead, girl, and, and, and hang up the sneaks. You know, maybe do some things for charity on the side or whatever. If you want to go play overseas. But, like, maybe the W, you don't need to be there. Maybe be a coach. We need more. We need better coaches because there there needs to be a timeout handed out. Hopefully you do it later on in the episode. <laughs> but, you know, these coaches staff might need a little bit of help. So, you know, you call the game so well. You see the, the, the chinks or the kinks and, like, uh, you know, in some of these players' game. So how about you just stay in that lane? Because it's a great lane that she's in. I enjoy seeing her, um, you know, on television talking about the game. And I enjoy watching her play, too. But I do think for her, I'll give her the retirement flag. Go on ahead and and hang it up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the last player that I thought of was Christy Tolliver. Christy Tolliver was the third pick in the WNBA draft in 2009. But we have seen a steady decrease in the number of games that she plays every season solely due to injury. So in 2019, which was the year that she played in Washington and they won the championship, she played 23 games. She opted out of the 2020 season. That seems to be a recurring theme with our three players. She opted out of the 2020 season. In 2021, she only played 19 games, and that was when she went back to L.A. In 2022, also in L.A., she only played 11 games. And it's important to note that in both of those seasons, L.A. did miss the playoffs. So now in 2023, she's back in Washington, and this season she's only played eight games, averaged 11 minutes and four and a half points. Yeah. Um, so she's another one that I think in addition to injury, she's also getting older. And by older, we mean older in basketball years, not in real life years. Um, but she's getting a little bit towards the end of her career. So that is something that's important to know. I think it's also important to note that she is a coach uh, for the NBA. 
she coached assistant coach for the Washington Wizards from 2018 to 2020. And since 2021 has been an assistant coach for the Dallas Mavericks. And we see her coaching ability and her coaching mindset on the court, even on the sidelines um, as an injured player. And I think we saw it most specifically in the game against the Vegas Aces because she was mic'd up. And so when they were asking her like different perspectives on like how the game was going and what, you know, Washington was doing well, what Washington needed to do differently, you could hear that coaching kind of coming out of her. Um, And so does she need to retire and maybe make the transition to full-time coaching? Will we maybe one day see her as a head coach in the WNBA? I don't know, but I think that that's kind of fitting where, you know, her career is headed right now. There you go. You have another one where, okay, so I didn't give my rating for EDD. EDD, I think she can stand to stay. I think, again, it goes to what she feels like she needs to do for herself. But I think her staying without uh, changing anything, uh, like with whatever she's doing in the gym, um, with trainers and all that, I think that might be a detriment to her game. However, if she were, um, you know, to consider retirement, I think, you know, maybe she should reconsider that. That's for EDD. For Janae, retire. Now, for Christy, Miss Tolliver, I think it's time to hang it up. Yep, I think it's time. Again, we have another player where we can see the transition of where she could possibly go and where we would all want to see her. As a coach, I would love to see her coaching. I think she would be an exceptional coach. And I would want to see her in the head coach realm. You know, like, so I would really love to see her, like, as a head coach in the WNBA. Giving It's giving Becky Hammond a little bit, and I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it. I would love to see how she draws up plays. I would love to see how she rallies with her players. I want to see it. Bump the NBA. We know that is a good check on it because we already had somebody hop on over to the side. Um, but you know, be like Becky in this case, which you know is crazy to say <laughs> considering the year she's been having, but she's also been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, hello, just saying, like, she's doing something right. <laughs> I mean, there's also something else that really is a head up for her, but I won't go there right now. But Christy, I mean, she kind of can fit that, like, you know, she can kind of fit that whole uh, that those shoes as far as you know, being a coach. And I think it's time for her, unless she again makes that adjustment body wise and gets herself back in it, makes a complete change to want to continue in the, in the, um, in the W maybe she wants to go for a ring. And that's another thing, another ring, but you know, you've got your ring, you know, let's, you know, it's time. I think it's time for her. And if she doesn't, again, like I said, then maybe you need to make some adjustments. But if you don't, then maybe it's time to hang up the sneakers and put in that retirement. Put in them papers, girl. Put in them papers. <laughs> great player, though, obviously. They're all great players. And when exactly. I think of people whose careers ended sort of on a note that they didn't want it to end on, I personally I think of two people in particular that I you know watch their games flourish and then also watch um them go through the decisions have to retire the first one is Devereaux Peters who came out of Notre Dame 
And before the 2019 uh, season, she decided to retire after documenting 10 surgeries throughout Ooh. her career. And so she made the decision that she was done with surgery. She was done having to rehab and work her way back up to basketball strength. And so she decided to retire, but she is uber talented and has recently announced that she is in the process of building an affordable housing complex in South Bend, Indiana, after seeing the disparities that she saw in that area when she was in Notre Dame and they were going on all these recruiting trips to try and recruit Skylar Diggins. Mm -hmm. And so she is somebody that has taken all of that other talent that we didn't see in, while she was in the WNBA and is now channeling that. And, you know, she has openly said, I don't have an, like a, the itch to come back to basketball. Like I gave what I could, but my body told me it was time to retire. And so that's what I decided to do. And she has found much success outside of that. So the second player that I think of is Karima Christmas Kelly, who announced her retirement earlier this year in 2023. Um, and she had a long Instagram post, but one of the things that she said in the Instagram post um, was that, quote, I may not be able to say I left the game when I wanted to, but I'm leaving the game when I needed to. Mm. Um, and so that that obviously was a tough decision for her to make. But on the good side, she um, is now an assistant coach with the Fever. She just had a baby boy. And her husband is an assistant coach with the Connecticut Sun. So her family has found tremendous success outside of basketball. And while I'm sure she misses it because it's still kind of like fresh and new for her, I think that um, she has found this new love in coaching and I think overall we'll find contentment in that. Um, so those are two people that I really reflected on, like their decision to retire. Two people that unfortunately were plagued with injuries and, you know, the decision may have kind of been made for them, mm -hmm. um, but they ultimately were able to find success outside of them actually playing basketball. Yeah. I mean, again, like that's a hard, like it's a hard decision to make, like you said, to, to not want to, but you knowing you need to. And like that could be the deciding factor for both EDD and Shanae and Christy uh, is to be like, do you need to though? Like, do you feel like you need to, even though it's not what you really want, do you feel like you need to do that? And will you be okay if you do that? I think those are like the questions that they need to ask themselves by themselves and get real with them. Maybe look in the mirror and kind of go, I know this is what I want, but what do I need? Because your body will tell you, your mind will tell you, not maybe your heart. Your heart is hard, you know, like you got to figure out with your heart, but your mind and your body will definitely tell you. And honestly, that's two against one. So if you can find a way to bring your, your either you got to bring your mind and your body to where your heart is, you got to bring your heart and your mind and your body to, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like you got to get them all working on one accord because if they're not, if just one of those is out and you're just probably going to struggle with whatever decision you decide. So all have to be working in, in one accord for everything to be right. I think for you to stay in the league, it's just to know that, okay, adjustments have to be made, but to know what you need, is to 
probably that's where you need to go to what you need, you know, like kids. Yeah. Don't like having that kids don't like eating broccoli or eating vegetables. They don't want to do that, but they might need the they not might they need vegetables. They need good food. They need antioxidants. They need, you know what I mean? So like, they might not want that, but to need it is a different thing. Necessity is what should win, you know, um, no matter how hard the decision is. And you never know where your path might go and where it might lead. I just want to know what their what their life is like. Uh, her husband being, you know, a Connecticut son, you said, assistant coach, and her being Indiana Fever. That's got to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure it's a lot of competition in oh, that house. Absolutely. I don't know how they manage it, but <laughs> but I think it's like you said, like it's understanding what your body is telling you, um, and an understanding how you fit into the dynamic that the team has. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. And then also knowing that the fans are gonna be super critical, you know. Fans are always, oh like, they're fans for a reason, but sometimes they are your worst critic. You know, they're going to give you all the praise, but they're going to also give you all the criticism. And that's the hardest part, I think, about um, fans in general, like fan bases. You know, one minute they love you, and the next minute they're like, oh, you should just retire and be done with it, you know? <laughs> but we don't know the toll that it takes you know, to constantly have surgeries or constantly be rehabbing. Like, I'm sure it's very exhausting. And I can only imagine the the mental toll that it takes to constantly, you know, have to rehab the same body part over and over again, or to feel like you finally made progress and then you get in the game and then you re-injure yourself or you have a different injury and then you're back in rehab or back in surgery. Like, I can... And several players in, you know, past experiences have talked about, like, the mental toll that going through a surgery takes on you that going you know through pt and rehab has on you to regaining your strength and mobility like has or just on your whole body and your whole mindset um so we don't take any of their decisions lightly because we know that it is such a serious decision to make and i think that the great thing about the WNBA, you know a lot of people criticize that they make you know, the players be um, 20, what is it, 22 years old before they can get drafted or going into their 22nd year of life mm -hmm. before they can get drafted, which for the majority of people means that you will finish four years of college. Yeah. Um, and so there's been a lot of criticism in that, especially when you're comparing it to the men's side, men can get um, drafted after one year um, out of high school. You know, and prior to that, people were getting drafted straight out of high school. We think of like Kobe Bryant and yeah. Kevin Garnett and many others that were drafted straight out of high school. But I think the great thing about the WNBA is that, like you said, you always have something to fall back on. Some of these women have master's degrees. Yeah. They are in line to be coaches, to be GMs, to be executives, to be entrepreneurs, business women, hey. you know, trainers. Like they are in line to be so many great things outside of playing the game of basketball. And I think that the WNBA having that rule, even though it may shorten the length of your professional basketball playing career, it opens up so many other opportunities when you know that I have a degree to fall back on. I have XYZ experiences outside of playing that are going to keep me going in times of struggle. I can't imagine feeling like, you know, you're plagued with injury and you feel like basketball is all you have. 
you know, and the emotional toll that that takes on you feeling like I have to do this because this is feeding me and my family. This is what's going to propel me forward. And if I can't do it, I don't know what I'm going to do to survive, you know? Um, So I'm so thankful, even though it's super controversial that many of these women have four-year degrees and some of them have even gone on to get graduate degrees or some of them may graduate in three years but then they you know they i mean they get drafted after three years but then they go back and get their their four-year degree while they're in the league you know because they see the importance of education they see the importance of growing in knowledge and strength not just while you're playing the game yeah on the other hand (laughs) i think of one particular player that has taken her injury really owned it and really like you said adapted her game to what her body is currently telling you and I think you already know who I'm talking about but I am talking about Alyssa Thomas Mm -hmm. so a little bit about Alyssa Thomas (laughs) she has struggled with shoulder injuries since her second season in the league and for perspective this is currently her 10th season in the league so for eight plus years she has dealt with shoulder injuries including two torn labrums now labrums are basically the muscle that holds your shoulder bone together so like your shoulder joint so your arm bone and your shoulder are basically being held together by your labrum and so the tear varies in degree and surgery is not always immediately recommended it basically depends on the extent of the injury it could be anything from a total complete tear where your arm is like hanging off to a slight tear where it just may cause limited range of motion and pain um and so in constant consultations with her doctors with her physical therapists with surgeons she has opted to not have surgery because it is an extensive recovery. And Alyssa Thomas has decided that she ain't got time for that. Nope. She plays overseas and in the WNBA and has decided that it is not worth it to miss any time. She is going full speed <laughs> ahead. And she has said, I'll worry about these shoulders when I retire. But has since decided to make her arms work for her. And she has adjusted her shot. She has adjusted her body mechanics to ensure that she is not doing any further damage, but also to ensure that the ball can go in the basket, given her range of motion that, you know, she currently has. Um, My only thing is, once again, I can only think about, like, how dynamic she is now and how much more dynamic she may be had she opted to get the surgery. And I know that it's kind of like a coin toss. Like you can get your shoulders fixed and you can never be as great as you were, you know, because we all know that surgery isn't perfect and there's always going to be some sort of deficit at the end of the day. So it's always a toss up. Like I don't get them fixed and I can't raise my hands like above my head. You know, I do get them fixed and who knows, I may be able to raise my arms, but I may have pain somewhere else. I may have limited range of motion in another way so we never know like how her injury would have turned out had she decided to get them fixed but either way she has decided to not let her injuries hold her back 
And as long as she can tolerate the discomfort and get that ball in the basket, she has decided that she doesn't have time for the surgery. And I mean, so far it's working for her. She is a top runner for MVP this season. She is leading the league in triple doubles. She's averaging a double-double this season, 15 points and 10 rebounds, which is insane. So that is a player that, like you said, has taken her devastating injuries and totally changed her game and changed the way that she looks at her body and is using it to her advantage. But, yeah, I mean, AT is – she's amazing. She's a force of nature. She's not of this world. She's a beast. She's she's everything of what a beast is in terms of a baller because I don't even know what kind of pain she's in, if her pain tolerance is, like, crazy high or if she's just, like, managing excruciating pain some days or some games or if it's just, like, pain that's like, ah, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> I can deal with that. Like that's it's not that bad of pain. Like I'll just work it out. But yeah, I mean, great example, Sam, of the perfect person that can show of like, okay, I'm not trying to retire because I don't want to get these uh these surgeries right now. Even though I think with this one, it's a it's a difference of like her saying, I don't need it right now. I need it but I don't need it right now. And so her situation is definitely different. Um, And she shows you that however you condition or whatever, you can still perform. And the fact that she's out here almost, not even just averaging double-doubles, almost averaging triple-doubles is kind of a testament to, like, the kind of just mentality she has and the kind of player that she is and how hungry she is. And you can tell she's a person that loves the game. And honestly, if I were to say anything about like AT and Alyssa Thomas and like what she would do after this, I don't know because it looks like ball is life over there. (laughs) 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 Like literally halting, getting her whole behind labrums fixed or her shoulders just like completely worked on as far as surgery just so she can play, you know? And like, she's like, eh, I'll make the adjustments I need to do on the court. So I don't have to get this surgery um, and, and continue playing with my, with my team. And I mean, listen, as a, as a, again, a former player and knowing like how anxious you are to get back on the court. But like you said, Sam, how you just you have to rehab while you're rehabbing your body. You do have to rehab your mind. You have to get yourself in the mindset of like, can I, I can do this and I will be great. I am fine. And also to build up that confidence level again, because you might be a little slower. You might not, like you said, have the range of motion ever at all again. But um, the fact that she has decided to kind of go with, what she wants to do for her body and is working for her. I say, continue on girl, maybe in the off season, you can figure it out. I don't know how long that, you know, that rehab time is. And I mean, even if she were to just do it on one arm because it's both of them. So it's kind of crazy to see like what that would look like to even just like go, go through with the surgery and see how long. Well, I think it's been so long now that would she even be, that as great as she is right now because now she'd have to learn her body mechanics all over again like she's so invested in her body right now and in playing the way that her body wants her to play 
that if she got them fixed, I don't even know if she would be as dynamic because then she'd have to learn her body all over again. And she's been doing this for the last eight years to where she she's literally making her body work for her. And it would take a lot of effort for her to get back to this position if she were to get them fixed now. Yeah, I mean, listen, she's amazing. And we already know that. Listen, hopefully she doesn't decide to get these surgeries till the season's (laughs) over. (laughs) And hopefully if she does or when she does, it doesn't disrupt anything. She has enough time for rehabbing it and getting back into the swing of things. So maybe she might consider doing it. Depends on how she feels. I think it all just depends on how she feels after these games and all of that. Uh, if she wins a ring this year, I doubt that she'll, she probably will get it fixed. If she doesn't, I think she's going to be like, nah, nah, it's got to wait again. It's got to wait. I don't know. <laughs> if, if it's the decided factor between her getting a ring or not, I think that that's when we'll know when AT will decide to get some surgeries. <laughs> yeah, you, you make a good point. That might be the deciding factor. <laughs> Who knows? I think she's been playing so long that, you know, like with all of these players, they know what their body is telling them. They've got great people in their corners, you know, and let's not forget that they're in constant consultation, not only with their doctors and their physical therapists or their athletic trainers, but also their families, their close friends, their teammates, the coaching staff in order to make the best possible decision and just understanding like where you fit. Like I said, not only within your own body where you fit, but then also in the team dynamic and what they're expecting of you. And if you feel like you can fulfill it, great. Let's keep the ball rolling. But if you can't fulfill it or, you know, your body is telling you that this is not the space, then that's when decisions have to be made, you know? So you just never know. You never know. But moving on, before we get into our breakout stars, I have to give one particular person a time out this week. And Jocelyn started this last week when she wanted to give Alicia Clark a timeout for not putting her hair in that bun. And this week, I need to give a timeout to somebody. And that person is head coach of the Atlanta Dream, Tanisha Wright. When I tell you she drives me crazy, she (laughs) drives me crazy with a capital crazy. crazy. The thing that bothers me is that she is. Okay, so let me start with the not-so-bad things. She is a very emotional coach, which sounds like it could be a bad thing, but, I mean, it's a good thing. Like, she's very invested emotionally in her players and her team and what she's trying to build out there in Atlanta. That is a great thing. Passionate. She cares, exactly. But when I say that she's emotional, uh, an emotionally-driven player, she challenges just about every game and I would say eight times out of ten she gonna lose the challenge and it drives me crazy because she uses the challenge she loses the challenge which means that she loses the timeout then comes the end of the game when it's like real tight at the end and you just need that one timeout to advance the ball she don't got the timeout because she lost it And we just saw it happen just a few days ago when Atlanta took on the Los Angeles Sparks on August 25th. 
she used that challenge early on in the game. And then when they needed a timeout towards the end of the game to advance the ball, they didn't have it. And then she had the nerve to go in the post-game conference and say, well, the problem with this team is that they just need to grow up. Well, I have some problems with your coaching decisions. And maybe we need to do a little bit of reflecting on is this a coaching issue, a team issue, or just an all-around Atlanta dream issue? What are your thoughts, Jocelyn? I think it's everybody. All of them. Both of them. I'm talking coach. I'm talking coaching staff. I'm talking teammates. I'm talking all the players. Maybe the refs. No. I think it's everybody. I think they need to figure out what's going on over there because it's not like they have any, like, like any crazy rookies over there i it's not about them being young yeah they might be young in age that's about it it's not like they haven't been playing this game i think that maybe there needs to be like you know we talked about last like last episode but Liz cambage accountability it might be the big a word because she might need to take some accountability there you're the coach and you're not even like just one of the coaches you're the coach you're the head coach so I'm sorry there comes a time where you got to put that on you and kind of go when am I look at what look at you know past games and see when you are calling out these challenges and what it put like what position it puts your team in there's there's situations where in film Coaches can even look and, like, check themselves. I'm like, okay, maybe that call, I probably shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have called a timeout there. So, like, whenever we get around this time, like, maybe this is when I, this is a good time to call a timeout. Let me not only challenge at certain times of the game, like, certain quarters where it makes sense. You know, like, there's ways that you can critique yourself. Maybe you don't have to tell the, you know, like, the journalist that, but... Maybe you can tell your damn self that or even like your coaching staff that you trust that are trying to get these women over the hump. Like even in that game, I don't think they should have lost that game. And and like they did is it was just it was just it was it was embarrassing. For lack there of a better word, it was embarrassing. And I think that if they were to take accountability everybody you know like even I think there was a play that she had to draw up and I think she had um I believe it was Ryan Howard uh driving to the court uh to the basket and I'm like was that the play because one the defense was on her I forget who was who was guarding her on that but they did kind of get a little tangled up a bit but at the end she missed the layup and that was to tie I believe and uh, no, no, it was to like get ahead and they could have like, you know, been up so they didn't have to go up in uh, in overtime, overtime. They had, they were in the game that went in overtime, right? So. I don't know if they were in the game that had overtime. And either way, her behind needs to freaking do better. Like, cause even in, like, again, in her huddles where she draws up plays, it doesn't ever seem like they're getting executed in the right way. Or even, like, that was the play that needed to be drawn up for that moment. So I don't know what that means, but maybe it just means that she needs to revamp the things that she's thinking and how she's doing certain things. Maybe they're not right. Maybe they're right, but maybe they're not right for the time that she's suggesting them. So, like, the challenges... Well, definitely managing the timeouts better because yeah. 
you know, challenges have been added to the game this season, and they are a great addition because we all know that refs are not perfect. They don't always see everything Mm -hmm. that players or coaches may see from their position on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you lose me or if it's not in definitive, then you lose the, you know, you lose the challenge, which means you lose your timeout. And when she's talking about, um, her team not being able to close out games, if you know that about your team, it's super important to have timeouts towards the end of the game. Like you should not be ending the game with, only one timeout. You know, you need to have your timeouts available to use because you know that that's when your team is going to most benefit from them. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you're talking about coaching adjustments and things that you could be doing as a coach to adjust to what your team is telling you, part of that is understanding when to use your timeouts and when to use your challenge. Like, if you are truly insistent on using it, you have to be very strategic in it. A lot of coaches don't like to use their challenge until the very end of the game. Like, when it's that pivotal moment and this challenge could literally make or break the game, like that's when they like to save their challenge for, you know, or they like to save it for a challenge where they know without a shadow of a doubt that it's going to go in their favor. Like you don't just throw out a challenge hoping that it'll go in your favor. No, you only get one. So you need to make sure that you are without a shadow of a doubt. Like that ref is going to look at that camera and he's a hundred percent going to reverse the call because I saw with my own two eyes and I know the camera is going to reflect that. Like you can't, just be wasteful with your resources because then you're going to get to the end of the game where you know your team struggles and you're not going to have your resources. Yeah, you have to use your use your timeouts wisely and and pick and choose when you're when you're making these calls and also have something in, in you know in your arsenal where like you said, you can't advance the ball when you call the timeout and all that stuff because that can definitely make or break the game too. Like, you know, it can set you up in a better it, it could also help you in like again writing out what's your what play or what you're going to run and having you know taking away the fact of putting having to drive it from all the way from the end line to end line you know back to over you know over half court that can make a big difference for you you know that's less court that you're having to deal with also it get it takes away what the defense can do as well so it's just kind of like girl get it together <laughs> she definitely needs to time out and t- some time to think about what she's done i have a timeout too this week and my timeout is for kia stokes girl i'm gonna need you to start rebounding more to actually put some points up i'm gonna need at least 10 from you and i'm gonna need at least 10 i'm gonna need you to start getting some double t- <laughs> i'm sorry mm-hmm. i'm sorry <laughs> I'm gonna need you to make at least have at least ten points, and I'm I, I encourage you. So this is what this is my hope for Kia Stokes. If I was Becky Hammond, my thing would be this: I would tell her tomorrow's in, in the Monday night's game against the New York Liberty. I'm going to need you to get ten boards. Don't matter if it's old boards. Don't matter if it's defensive boards. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's on defense. I need you to grab boards and I need you to get at least 10. And once you've done that, I'm going to need you to at least score 10 points. Can you do that for me? I believe in you, Kia Stokes. I believe that you can do 10 for 10 and get your freaking double-double of the season. Let's get it done. And if she doesn't 
give you that, I'm going to, you know, I won't tell her this, but I will sit her. I will talk to her in practice and I'll say, I'm going to sit you. I'm, I want to see you working off the bench. I know you like that, you know, like you like that position. You like that role coming off the bench. So how about I have you, once Alicia Clark goes, goes in, I'll sub you in. I'm going to start Elena Coates because I just need at least 10 boards <laughs> on both sides of the court. And I'm feeling like Elena Coates can do that for me. So I'm giving my timeout to you, Kia Stokes, this week. Again, you wouldn't be in the league and you wouldn't be in this position if you wasn't good. But I have to give you this timeout. And hopefully you can take some time out to think about what you need to be doing. And it's not much. You, I want to give you all the confidence right now. You're tall. You're strong. You have a mentality. You know how to win. You've won before. Put, bring in that confidence that, you know, you deserve to exude and put it on them. Shock the world. Shut me up. Say, nah, I don't need to be on the bench. I need to be in the game because I get boards and I get buckets. Well, shut me up, Kia. That's all I got to say. But you're in timeout this week. <laughs> I think we, we talked about this ongoing over the last few seasons that Kia Stokes needs to be activated. We need to see more from her if the Aces are truly going to be competitive in the playoffs. That is a very good timeout. I think it is well needed. Both were great. (laughs) (laughs) So to close things out, tell us about your breakout star. We have one every week. We want to hear it. Well, this might be a shocker to all my sophisticated spectators. I, I, I jumped the gun and told Sam offline, so she already knows. But, you know, I know I have given a lot of flack (laughs) to this person in particular in the past. But after watching her performance in the matchup between the Sparks and the, uh, you know, and her team this past, this past, you know, week, I think that I have to give it to Azrae Stevens. Yeah. Girl, congratulations, lady. <laughs> Listen, last time, you know, there's been games where I really felt like she she struggled. But I believe it was the game that happened this past Friday against the Dream. She did her thing. She was focused. She looked hungry and aggressive. And she did what needed to be done to keep the Sparks in the game when they were down 16 points. I mean, Stevens closed the game with 18 points, eight rebounds, and one steal. She was balling it. Listen, like, not to put it all on NECA, because NECA carried the team. She was actually the highest score, the high scorer that game. She had, I think she closed with like 29 points that game. Uh, But she definitely put in the work when NECA wasn't on the floor which is what we need from Azrae Stevens. When a big force like Aneka Gumake is off the court, we need somebody to pick up those reins and make it feel like at least like the presence down low is kind of like she's she hasn't gone anywhere. And Neka's been shooting from three and been making some, you know. So Azrae bringing her three pointer in there and being able to knock it down is amazing to me. I'm like so proud of her and. It's kind of like, this is what I've been wanting to see all season. And the fact that she's like, kind of 
walking in that light. I, I love that for her. And she's not really a, a rookie at this point. She's what five years, I think, now in the seat um in the league. And she's not a you know, she's not a layup, you know, and I just want it frustrates me when players play kind of like they aren't supposed to be there. Like, you know, I want her to get her confidence because she's been in the league. You know, she's been in the league for five years now, drafted back in 2018 in the first round, six overall, you know, six pick overall to the Dallas Wings. And, you know, she made the WNBA all-rookie team her her rookie year. And if, you know, if you didn't know, Stevens is also a WNBA champion. She, she won in 2021 with the Chicago Sky. So, I mean, I don't know. She must have learned a thing or two from Candace Parker <laughs> and now, you know, Neka Gumake. And, I mean, Stevens is 6'6". She's a true center. And if y'all really know her, she was drafted out of UConn. So she knows how to win. And I'm happy she played like a champion Friday night. And I'm giving you your flowers now, girl. I'm giving it to you for the first time. And I feel good about it. So congrats to you, Adre Steven. Woo woo. Keep it going. Keep it coming. Keep that heat on them because we need that from you for the Sparks to really like, you know, have that push towards playoffs and feeling good about themselves all around. So if Adre Stevens is playing like that and NECA's playing like that and Jordan Canada's playing well and Laysia Sheridan Clarendon is playing well. And, you know, when we get my girl Zaya cooking the game and she's playing well, everybody's cooking. We're good. So Sparks will be good. So kudos to you, Azrae Stevens. <laughs> Sparks, another dangerous team and another great pick for a breakout star. Special honorable mention to Neka Gumake. You mentioned that she had 29 points. That was actually her 100th double-double. She finished with 29 points, 12 rebounds, and was the third player in Sparks franchise history to score or to have 100 double-doubles after Lisa Leslie and Candace Parker. So that was a huge accomplishment for her on top of everything that Azrae was doing during that game. That's awesome. Yeah, they were playing well. They felt good, and they they looked good. So I'm really proud of them. Well, my breakout star is somebody that you might be a little shocked to hear about, and that is Sydney Colson of the Las Vegas Aces. Okay, Sydney. And a lot of people don't know that much about Sydney. You know, she doesn't really get a lot of minutes. She comes off the bench usually when the team is either winning by a lot or losing by a lot. <laughs> and she has really kind of come under fire a little bit because people are kind of like, well, why doesn't she play? Like, is she not worthy? Is she not good enough? Like why have her holding a roster spot if Becky is not going to allow her to play? Like some people felt like she was basically being demoted to a cheerleader, you know? And somebody on social media actually commented and was saying that you really have to be like, at the Aces games in person to truly understand the impact that Sydney Colson has um, on the team. Mm-hmm. But I really saw the impact in person, not in person, but for myself right. in person. Right. During the game against um, Atlanta where uh, Asia Wilson scored a 53 point. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they always talk about how Sydney Colson is kind of like a player coach like she doesn't really play that much she's not going to be the best player on the team 
but she brings a lot of energy, a lot of charisma, a lot of morale to the team on the bench. And so if she can give you, you know, five minutes, like she'll do what she can in the five minutes that you give her. But she brings a lot to the team dynamic as a whole. And, you you know, I think anyone can see the team chemistry that the Aces have. Right. But for me, when I saw it, it was when towards the end of the game against, you know, the Aces were playing against the Dream, Asia had 51 points. And um, Tanisha Wright got called for a technical foul, which means somebody had to shoot the free throws. Now, they were getting ready to put Asia on the bench because the game was about to wrap up, like, no need to exhaust your players. Like, they were about to, you know, swap her out. But as they're huddling over by the bench, Sydney was like, I guess, gesturing to Becky Hammond. And she was like, no, have Asia shoot the free throws. Like, let her go for the record. And that was when I knew that Sydney Colson was a real one. Yeah. Because Asia Wilson, like, she played a dynamic game. Like, 51 points is no easy feat. She could have sat on the bench and let the bench players just kind of ride out to the end of the game. But Sydney Colson was like, nope, this is my teammate. This is my player. And she is going for that record. And she mm-hmm. literally was like, no, Asia, go out there. Like, we need you to go for the record. And then you can sit down. Yeah. And that's exactly what she did. So if it wasn't for Sydney Colson, we might not have – and Asia Wilson, 53-point night. And that just shows you how much she rides for her team. She rides for her players. And, you know, you see on their social media page, like, everybody likes to poke fun at Sydney Colson because yeah. she takes it all in jest, and they poke fun at her, and she pokes fun back. Right. And, you know, it, it's just, you know, everybody just kind of laughs it off. But she really brings such just, like, chemistry and uh, invigorates the team, you know. So, to say that she is not an essential part of the team is just like a total misconstruction of what her role is mm-hmm. on the team. Um, she can give you a solid, you know, four or five points. She can give you a solid five to seven minutes. No problem. But it's what she does on the bench that is so important to propelling this team and keeping this team together, especially in the midst of all the things that they're dealing with as they try and lock in that number one seat. So kudos to her. She is a girl's girl and it's all about her teammates. And it's just, I love to see it. I love a great team player. That's an awesome pick. Yes, it. you got it, girl. Like that is like one of the best, like, I guess ways of how to be dynamic without like being a force on the court, you know, like, I think every time she does get on the court, though, I think her presence is felt, too, you know? And I think she puts in, even though it's not many, like, many minutes, she still leaves her mark on that court, you know? You still felt like she was there and she played and she you can remember what she did, you know what I mean? I love the fact that she's like that, and I love the energy she brings to the team and that she's such like you said, a team player that she cares about her, her teammates and she wants to see them succeed. And that doesn't even, you know, state like she's a great player that state She's like a great person. So we love you over here. Sid. keep being awesome. Keep being funny. Keep being you keep that high, beautiful spirit that you have. It is completely contagious in all the right and best ways. So congratulations, Sydney Colson. You got it, girl. <laughs> Yeah, I love that, Sam. I'm happy you made her the breakout star. (laughs) 
We love Sydney Colson. Both on and off the court. Exactly. (laughs) So where can they find us, Jocelyn, if they want to interact with us? Well, if y'all want to talk to us, you know, talk your talk your stuff about the teams that we, that you guys love, their teammates, you can find us at Beyond the Bleachers underscore on IG, and we'll talk to you on there. I'm telling you, we gave away a, a giveaway earlier this year, so if y'all want to be in on the action and stuff, playoff season is just around the just around the river bend. Okay, so come on. <laughs> Come on over, my sophisticated spectators. Be a part of the family. (laughs) And with that, it's been another great episode. There's two more weeks in the season. We're excited to get ready for playoffs, new things to talk about, new games to watch. But until then, I will catch you in the next one. See ya. Bye. Bye.